obviously. We're talking about small group Bible studies, community, community life. We're talking about life together. Um, <clears throat> and we, uh, you know, as I look at these two men, I have been with them now for about a decade. And uh, my life is richer as the result of meeting with them on a weekly basis at 6.30 in the morning somewhere in this building and studying some of the great scriptures and studying some of the great sermons that have been written by godly men. And our lives are very, very much different as a result. And so I want to say thank you to you for your influence in my life. And I want to remind you where we left off this morning. Um, I was reading um, this quote from you from Paul David Tripp. And Tripp says this, remember, that's how I closed out our sermon this morning, that God's ad agenda is change. That your great need in life is change. And that God's promise of grace, He gives us His grace because He wants to see change in our lives. And that the hope of eternity is the completion of the, this work of change. But I shared with you that there's something that gets in the way of this fundamental change that we've, that we've been talking about for a few minutes tonight. Um, and again, it's trip. Um, our problem is personal, spiritual self-satisfaction. Beloved, we're just satisfied with who we are. We're incredibly self-righteous. We Each of us has an inner lawyer that is making a case in our self-defense that we are right most every time. And what we want to do, uh, and we have this ability to do this, we want to push grace down and out and away because fundamentally we're comfortable and we do not want to change. And I want to say to you, as a minister of the gospel, Jesus calls us to transformation. He calls us to imitate one another. He calls us to discipleship. He calls us to bring the gospel of Christ to bear upon one another. Because we have the opportunity to have a significant influence in the lives of one another. As we encourage one another, pray for one another, um, greet one another, um, there's, there's over 51 another's in the whole of Scripture. And, and we're called to exercise those one another's together continually because we are, we are the body of Christ. I've said this to you before. Two-thirds of all PCA churches are flatlined or dying. That is not my statistic. That is the statistic out of Atlanta. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I have a lot of theories about why we are, we are, our denomination is dying to this degree, flatlined or dying. And one of those is we do not emphasize the body of Christ enough. We do not emphasize Ephesians 4 and the training and the equipping of the saints. And we do not enough collect as the body of Christ and endeavor to have this sweet, generous fellowship that the Lord Jesus has called us to have. Let me share with you why I think that's true. Um, because 
Um, in Tim Keller's uh, book, Center Church, he talks about the purpose of the church. I'm going to read this to you twice, and if you want a snapshot of it, let me know, I'll send it to you. The purpose of the church is for us to be captivated by beauty and wonder. Why? It's, rather simple and, it's a rather simple and straightforward proposition being treasured by our Father in heaven leads to beauty and wonder. Then he continues, and beauty and wonder will actually activate our lives. And when this occurs, when, when our lives are activated, this leads to community, which leads to movement, which leads to saturation. Can I say that to you again? This beauty and wonder will activate our lives, which leads to community, which leads to movement, which leads to saturation. Isn't it an amazing truth that in the first few hundred years of Christendom, the church of Jesus Christ spread throughout the Mediterranean basin into Rome itself in just a few hundred years because the body of Christ was captivated by this beauty and wonder which led to community, which led to movement, which led to saturation. I want to read for you Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostles. And all, all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to everyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. I want you to realize, and again, this comes from Center Church, that in this verse, we have five fundamentals that must uh, accompany every single church. And the first fundamental is devotion to apostolic teaching. The second fundamental is joyful worship. The third fundamental is intimate fellowship. The fourth fundamental is sacrificial service inside of the body and outside of the body. And the last fundamental is relentless evangelism. And, and, and as you look at this verse, I'm going to say something now that in just a moment that may sound a bit radical, but I stand by it with all my being. All five verticals are equal. All five verticals are dependent upon the other. All five verticals feed off one another. All five verticals inform the other. All five verticals are like the five pistons to the same engine. Because intimate fellowship will actually fuel a joyful worship. The scriptures actually fuel relentless evangelism. Sacrificial service will actually fuel 
uh, intimate fellowship and joyful worship and devotion to apostolic teaching. It all comes together and it all operates not in a singular fashion, but in, in a magnificent way, in a synergistic fashion. An intimate fellowship is one of those ingredients, one of those verticals that is absolutely essential to the health of the body of Christ. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. My proposition for you this evening is this, that the Lord has called us, uh, and by the way, as I have been thinking about this for, for the last couple of weeks, uh, once again, Trip has been incredibly helpful and informative with me on this. But as we think about community, we think about small groups, we think about community life and doing life together, uh, I want to issue a call to this church that we would develop a, a community that is gospel-centered, Jesus-honoring, it's a redemptive community, and that we would actually give one another permission to be intrusive in our lives for the sake of accountability, love, and kindness. Can we develop a community that is gospel-centered, Jesus-honoring, redemptive in nature, and intrusive? Because we have such an understanding of the depth of sin that we actually believe that we need one another and we need to be held accountable by one another. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence and enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with, with let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we, we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Now listen to 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see this day approaching. I want you to look at 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. What we normally do with that text is we assign that text to the concept of worship. Beloved, it's much more than worship. Worship's part of it. But it has to do with the community of faith, the body of believers meeting together, spurring one up one another to love and, good, and to good deeds and encouraging one another as we see the day approaching. Tripp says, our sanctification is a community project. And he says, you cannot grow up 
in the faith by yourself. You cannot. Don't you remember the, the children in Romania when the wall was coming down? And all those children, that, all those little infants that were left in those beds, and they, were, they never socialized with other human beings. And do you remember how dwarfed they were emotionally because they never socialized with other human beings? Do you remember those stories? It's a simple illustration, I believe, of how desperately we need one another. We need, I need Stephen speaking into my life. Cannon needs me speaking into his life. And we need to be bumping into one another. We need to be rubbing up against one another. We need to be encouraging and stimulating one another to good works and to good deeds. Because for one reason, we're all united together out of our union with Christ. And because of our union with Christ, sanctification should be one of the primary goals that we have, not only for ourselves, but for one another. And as the body of Christ, we have the opportunity not only to help hold each other accountable, and I don't know if that word makes you nervous or not, but I want to encourage you, it's an excellent word. When I first showed up in Starkville, before Ford Williams was my RUF leader. That was in the last century, right, Ford? Um, I got invited to go to a discipleship group. And Jimmy Turner invited me, and um, uh, he had collected about 13, about 12 other folks. And we met for two years, and we studied the Gospel of John, and he discipled us. My life, was radically changed. He knew that I was not a believer. My mom and dad, I was not raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a church home, but not a Christian home. We went to church every Sunday, but we had no idea who Jesus was. And it's in that discipleship group that, that I encountered, or that rather I was encountered by, or Jesus rather encountered me. And I came to faith in Jesus as a result of that fellowship group. And, and I, um, people will say to me now, why do you still do the things that you do? And I say to people all the time, I was discipled by Jimmy. I just did what he told me to do. And, and it was all about discipleship and bringing Jesus up close into the lives of others. You see... That's what this passage is. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not giving up the meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's my premise again stated in a different way. Community fuels, community enables sanctification. Now, it's got to be Holy Spirit-driven. It's got to be gospel-centric. It's got to be God-honoring. We know that all those are, are the presuppositions um, that, that must be the order of the day. But again, I, I, my, I contend that community fuels, community actually enables our sanctification. i got a question for you. Not... Just speaking in general, you know, 
would you describe our fellowship? And I'm going to say how I would describe our fellowship and what I'm guilty of. I think sometimes our fellowship is fellowship in motion. I think we talk about the trivial things. I think we talk about football. Let me back up. I think I talk about football. Let me, let me, let me say that. I think I talk about football. I think, about, I, think I talk about um, uh, how to cook, barbecue pits, best steakhouse in Memphis. And isn't it true that if we were really honest with one another, isn't that just kind of the level of fellowship that we have? Because we're all doing fellowship in motion because we're all so very, very busy. Remember Jeff Salison? He shared this with you years ago during the Sonship Conference when somebody would say, hey, how are you doing? You would say, well, I'm fine. And what's the acrostic for fine? Do you remember the acrostic for fine? Remember that? Frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and exhausted. And isn't that who we are? Aren't we just fine, frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and exhausted? And isn't that what East Memphis looks like? And does our fellowship, can I, can I bring conviction now? Can I teach to the heart? Does our fellowship look like East Memphis? Sometimes I think the fellowship in the church looks like the fellowship in any bar in Memphis on a Friday night. We're just talking about trivial things. And I want to say this one more time. I'm putting my hand in the air. I'm as guilty of this as anybody in the room. And yet in Hebrews, we are told in this passage that we should consider how we can spur one another to love and good deeds. We should consider not giving up meeting together as is a habit of some. And we should consider encouraging one another all the more as the day is approaching. And why do we need this? There's two reasons. We all have blind spots and we're all self-righteous. Remember I said to you a minute ago, you, each of us, and we do, each of us has an internal lawyer who's making this great defense on our behalf of how we are right, and that internal lawyer called a sinful nature is just leading us down a primrose path of destruction. And oftentimes we listen more and more to this eternal, internal lawyer than we do Jesus, our Savior. But then secondly, we all have blind spots. I was driving down Walnut Grove just a couple of years ago, and I got to the, to the uh, uh, streetlight right down here at um, uh, Walnut Grove and what is that? What is it? Mendenhall. Thank you, thank you Janet. And, and all of a sudden, I realized I had lost all of my vision in this eye from here all the way across. I, I, I had torn a retina just in a moment. 
And I lost all that vision. And it scared me. I didn't know what to do other than to go home and find Sally to, to help me medically figure this out. But it was a blind spot. I couldn't see anything from here all the way across. And it, was, it wasn't like it was dark. It was like there was nothing. Beloved, we need an in-depth understanding of the nature of sin tied to an in-depth understanding of the nature of the gospel, tied to an in-depth understanding of the role of Jesus and the Holy Spirit because we are so affected by our blind spots that there are many times in our lives when we can actually lie to ourselves because we are so blind to our own self-righteousness. Is that not true? Have, haven't you experienced that in your life where something has happened and you've, you've asked the question, what was that about? How did that happen? When did this occur? And years later, you would realize, those were my blind spots. Those were mistakes that I made. Those were difficulties in my life. And you see, if you have this self-righteousness, and you have, and we do, and you have these blind spots, then to go back to my human illustrations of just a moment ago, I need Stephen in my life. Listen to this. I have given him permission to call me out. I have given Canon permission to show me my sin. And Lord willing, I hope that I'm a stronger, not hope, maybe a better man, hopefully a stronger man as the result of having someone in my life that is willing to help me with my blind spots, willing to help me with my internal lawyer, willing to help me so that I can walk this path that the Lord Jesus has called me to. Let me close with this. I started by saying, Acts 2.42, devotion to apostolic teaching, joyful worship, intimate fellowship, relentless evangelism, sacrificial service. I started by saying, every, each one of these five are dependent upon the other, enable the other, feed the other, catalyze the other. And right in the middle of that is intimate fellowship. And I think there's times in the, in the church today where we want to take that out and put it to the side. Not in this church. But I think there are churches, they want to take that out and they want to put it to the side because they really don't think that is that important. And I want you to know, this intimate fellowship is actually integral to all the other pieces of the five pillars that actually fuel the witness of the church. Let me put it to you this way. Somebody would say, Devotion to apostolic teaching is not the icing on the cake. It is the cake. 
joyful worship. It's not the icing on the cake. It is the cake. Relentless evangelism. It's not the icing on the cake. It is the cake. Sacrificial service. It's not the icing on the cake. It too is the cake. And intimate fellowship. Discipleship. It's not the icing on the cake. It is the cake. And when we understand this, go back to the quote from Center Church that I shared with you just a few moments ago. When we understand this, then we understand the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is, to, is for us as the body of Christ to be captivated by the beauty of Jesus and by the wonder of everything that He has done for us in this life. And as our lives are captivated by this beauty and wonder, this will actually fuel community which will cause a movement that will actually lead to saturation. And don't we see that in the closing passage of Acts 2, 42 through 47? Because let me just read that for you real quick. It says this. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Here's what Keller says. The world was watching the, the New Testament church um, expand throughout the Mediterranean basin and into Rome itself. And the pagan world was watching the gospel going radioactive in the lives of the saints. And the world was saying, whatever is going on over there, that is what I want. Would the world say that about us? Would the world be so enticed and intrigued by the beauty and wonder of what is being preached here in this place. A beauty and wonder that led to community. A beauty and wonder that led to a movement. And a beauty and wonder that led to a saturation. I pray so. I pray so. And that this congregation would be a congregation that would literally be a lighthouse to a lost and dying world, not simply because we're, we're radically committed to the Scriptures, but also because we're radically committed to joyful worship, intimate fellowship, sacrificial service, and relentless evangelism. Brothers and sisters, closing comment. We need each other more than you can possibly imagine. And if you try to live this life, this Christian life on your own, you will probably not make it. Now, you can read into that whatever you want to. If you want to debate that, we can debate it. I go back to what Tripp said. You cannot grow up in Christ by yourself. We need the relationships and the touches and the love and the kindness and the forgiveness, etc., 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 from one another. Because these kindnesses and these touches actually inform us yet again of the sweetness of Jesus and of a Father who has loved us before time began. 
these touches are actually incredibly theological in their implications. Let's pray. Father, be with us as we even consider the things that we've spoken of tonight. And Lord, I know that my tone has been rather passionate tonight, but Lord, it is my passion for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. For the body of Christ to minister to the body and for the body of Christ to minister to a lost and dying world. Would you fuel us through the work of your spirit? In your son's name we pray. Amen.